Hi, James Cameron here. The following podcast may contain spoilers for my movie, Avatar. This is Diabolical, the comedy podcast where four long-suffering friends dissect films most dastardly schemes then try to improve them. I'm your host Gaz, and this week's movie is James Cameron's Avatar. So, Peril Pals, plug your ponytail into a six-legged beast of some sort, take up arms against the American invaders, and for the four in attendance, and the tens of thousands listening at home, let's get diabolical! (laughs) Sticking with that, are we? Yeah. <laughs> That's your thing now. <laughs> it is ace. If that, I like it. Yeah, I was going to say, if that didn't amp turn up, nothing wrong. Hello, and welcome to this week's pod. Joining me are the panel of peril, who will compete at the show's close to see who can improve the villainous plan of the week the best to earn points for our season two leaderboard. I'm joined this week, as always, by Ben, Craig, and Adam. Hello. 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 Goodbye, Michael, <laughs> the island, baby. <laughs> now, since I'm the master of ceremonies, we're going to have another wee crack at the Mr. and Mrs. game. This time around, we're going to try and figure out one another's favourite alien species. That can be from film or television. So, first of all, if we can try and work out what Craig's favourite alien species is. Craig, I struggled the most with Craig. I think I've got the others, but Craig's I really struggle with because I think he likes a lot. I mean, if he was being honest with us, he would say the three-breasted woman from Total Recall. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I think we'd all say that, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Is she an alien, though? Because I thought... Three? No, I thought... <laughs> Makes me wish I had three hands. <laughs> I think she's not an alien. I think she's she a, might be a mutant. mutant. Yeah, she's yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, she's yeah, from Mars, yeah. so I guess she was born on Mars, so that's potentially... She's a Martian. Yeah. 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 There you go. Uh, Love yeah. to check her passport. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I said he'd go for something a bit sentimental, and I, I thought uh, he'd have E.T. as his favourite alien species oh. so whatever species that is yeah i did look up the name of that species and that might give you a clue as to whether you're right or not <laughs> <laughs> well uh i was thinking uh, alien species but i thought well maybe it's a bit of a false breadcrumb trail in a way so i just thought it, an alien species that looks like a human superman or kryptonians whatever they're called oh, that that did cross oh, my yeah. mind too actually yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know he's a big fan. That's a good one. Well, I, uh, I don't know if the Peril Pals listening at home noticed, but we're all big fans of The Simpsons, and I think Craig <laughs> is possibly the biggest fan of The Simpsons. <laughs> and so my guess is Kang and yeah. Kodos, which is obviously wrong. We've, we've already worked yeah. out what Kodos is. <laughs> <laughs> Based on what he just said. <laughs> I'll say what I've written is I've written Vulcans, but all of your oh. answers I prefer to mine. Because I struggled with mine as well. <laughs> so I'm going to say that spiritually, you're all more right than I am. <laughs> and now that you've mentioned Kang and Kodos, what about the uh, Omicron Persei 8 aliens? Yeah. I love them as well. Yeah. They, they, they crossed my mind yeah. too. <laughs> Bang. Zoom. <laughs> um, 
but I, t- I i totally understand that because pretty much every yeah. time you guess mine for whatever it is i like, know oh, they were right yeah <laughs> i don't know my own favor of anything <laughs> these are these questions are well hard and next up we're going to try and deduce adam's favorite alien uh, species if we don't get this we're really <laughs> shameful friends well i think and i could be wrong but it's it's gotta be klingons Surely. Uh, oh, no, I think I think it's a xenomorph. Okay, cross my mind as well. Both very good guesses. I've gone for Romulans. Romulans. The Vulcan you ordered off Wish. <laughs> oh, so we've got two Star Treks and a HR Giga creation. Well, I've got to say you're all wrong. Because oh. uh, I thought, right, I'll put a bit of thought into this week's one. So I've, I've started making a short list. Oh, uh, look, you didn't say you were going to put thought into it. Because if, if I'd known that. Yeah, if I'd known that. <laughs> but I was like, what alien species do I like the most that gives me the most entertainment? And I have chosen the Jusians from South Park. Don't know this. Are they, they the are basically suck my jag on, guys? The, yeah, suck my jagger. Now you suck my jagger. <laughs> They're basically intergalactic TV producers that control um, the show that is Earth and stuff. And the boys meet up. <laughs> it is a mental episode. Can't believe I sucked your jagger. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Next, we will try and work out Ben's favorite alien species. I just gone for a basic one. Um, basic pitch. Uh, the Independence Day aliens. Oh. Ewoks. I think Ewoks. Oh, I've gone for quite a big punt here, knowing that uh, Ben's an anime fan. You might not even have seen this one, but I've gone oh. for the alien in the anime series Parasite. Oh. oh okay. Um, I'll tell you, Craig was the closest. I had two on my list that I'd wheeled it down to Ewoks and Gungans. <laughs> No, the Bith. The Bith. Bith. And it was those two were last on my list. And I just before we came on, I crossed out Ewoks. So close so far. And finally, you can try and guess my favourite alien species. Well, I know that you guys like a horror. And crit has crossed my mind, but I went for the xenomorph. From the the movie Alien, by uh, Ripley Scott. That's that's <laughs> the person. I also had the same kind of thought process. It's got to be something from horror, so I went with the thing. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I've just remembered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Too late now, Xenomorph boy. Slither. That's an alien. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. That's okay. Funny. Carry on. <laughs> well. I've got something a bit different, a bit more of a comedy aspect, but I'm, I remember Gal's liking this film quite a bit. So I've gone from the aliens from Mars Attacks. <laughs> Don't yodel at them because they'll explode. <laughs> uh, well, it's actually Craig who was correct because it is the Xenomorph. Ah. Yeah. to Craig. Ah, oh, bloody... Can't believe it. God damn, that's the first time anyone's got anything right in any of these. Is it? I'm sure they're wow. well done. There must have been someone who's got something before, yeah. surely. I don't think so. Really? I, I don't think so either. Ah, very good. Avatar, directed by the legendary James Cameron, saw release in 2009. And in other notable happenings from that year, 
Bitcoin is created by Satoshi Nakamoto. Barack Obama is sworn in as 44th President of the United States of America. Minecraft gets its first update from Mojang Studios. Islamic extremist group Boko Harim initiates an uprising in Nigeria. And a swine flu pandemic begins in Mexico before spreading to the US and the rest of the world. Other noteworthy films that were released include, but are not limited to, Neil Blomkamp's Apartheid Alien Allegory District 9, Zack Snyder's slavish adaptation of the greatest comic of all time, Watchmen, Diablo Cody's underrated teen horror, Jennifer's Body, and J.J. Abrams' reboot of the Star Trek franchise, another Zoe Saldana starer there to round out the list. As for this week's film, Avatar sees paraplegic army vet Jake Sully, played by Sam Worthington, shipped to the moon Pandora to be inserted into the artificial body of an alien navi under the pretext of a diplomatic mission to persuade the Omatikaya tribe to move from their jungle residence. Christ, that's all the sentence, isn't it? Why? So that the American military-industrial complex can mine for the hilariously named <laughs> obsidian ore that lays in the ground beneath their sacred Deku Deku tree, to which all the Navi on the moon are connected via a neural network. Far out. Initially reporting back to the warmongering Colonel Quaritch, played by Stephen Lang, and arch-capitalist Parker, played by Giovanni Ribisi. Sully slowly sees the natural beauty of Pandora, its environments, its wildlife, and its people, and rebels against the alien invaders, i.e. us. James Cameron's first film since Titanic in 1997 currently sits as the highest box office earner of all time, with $2.9 billion, and won three Oscars from a total of nine nominations. Its belated sequel, Avatar, The Way of Water, is released this week, or was released December the 16th, 2022, if you're listening from the future, with three more sequels to follow. Quite the cultural imprint, as it turns out, eh? So, what did everybody think of the movie? Well, I haven't, I haven't seen this since it came out, and uh, I, I went to see it in the cinema, and I think, like everybody, I was kind of mesmerized by the visuals and and the 3d the first real 3d that we'd had and i i was really impressed by that but for whatever reason at the time i just didn't engage with the story or the characters i remember feeling that they were quite two-dimensional sometimes even one-dimensional and that the plot was very cliched and, and kind of full of silly things but not in a fun way and then watching it again what I've got from it this time is all that. Plus I was quite bored. <laughs> so it, for me on, on second viewing, I thought maybe I, I was right to not like it the first time. <laughs> and I didn't really like it this time either. Fair enough. Wow. You surprised me. We've spoke about this film a bit, I think since we started the podcast. Um, and I, I think we've, none of us have really said much, not too overly favorably, favorably, sorry. Even. <laughs> and at the start I was like, I couldn't really remember it. it must probably be 10 years since I've seen it. I remember going to see it in the cinema at least twice and enjoyed it then. And then I watched the start of the film and I just thought, yeah, am I, am I going to like it? And I was, I sort of put in my mindset already, I'm not going to like this movie now. It's not going to age well. It's just the razzle-dazzle at the time of it coming out. But having said that, I absolutely loved it. It made me feel quite sad in a way because it was conceived, really, I guess. It was such a long project they're making and it, 
broke so many boundaries in the world of cinema and then to see it on the big screen as well is it's a truly you know they call cinematic experiences and stuff like that and i can't remember there was a film recently that um i think top gun maverick was it you guys were saying go and see it at cinema because it really makes sense oh yeah and this film makes so much sense in the cinema and you can just imagine you know i was what i was watching on my tablet and it's like a 10 inch screen and i was thinking this is wasted on this screen and i i just loved it from more or less the first, after the first 10 or 15 minutes i was just into it and i loved it and there was just so many things that that stood out for me and it's it's not just the film itself it's the 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 time and the production values and and the care and attention and then the fact that the sequel to it is taking such a long time to come through as well that's partly because it's like five sequels right yeah five uh, four they've all been filmed back to back no they haven't they're not filmed back to back. They're they're one at a time, and James Cameron may not direct mm. uh, parts four and five. He said, uh, "Okay, he's definitely doing number three. Mm. Right, right. What do you think of the movie, Ben? Lord Manly Supreme. I think you'll find my name is. Let's not drop this. Ah, sorry. I don't. Ah. I do it again. Ah. What do you think of the movie, Lord Manly Supreme? You've got to give me a compliment now, as a as a forfeit for uh, not saying my name properly. <laughs> Uh, I think that you're supremely manly. <laughs> I was going to say something like, you you don't look that tired considering the hour of the day there. <laughs> <laughs> you're negging me. Um, so like Craig, I hadn't seen this since the cinema. And me, more or less. Oh, and, and, uh, and, and Turner, yeah. Mm. And the thing is, I bought a 3D TV. Mm. Me too. With like the digital glasses. Mm specifically to watch it again and i never never did uh. <laughs> <laughs> i watched quite a few other things that really worked like frank and weenie there was great on it in 3d um i watched jurassic park in 3d that was cool oh Ooh. i haven't seen that that was good but anyway i never got around to it and i, I think the thing that was put me off was was the length mm-hmm. and i remember in the cinema as well not really thinking that much of the, the story to be honest and i thought I remember thinking, oh, this is this is going too long. And like Craig, this time watching it, I felt exactly the same thing. I felt when they were going towards the life tree to to uh, fire the rockets at it, I looked at the time left and I thought, fucking hell, there's still over an hour left. I couldn't mm. believe it. Mm. It, was, it, was, it felt it was dragging. Um, that said, I didn't dislike it either. I thought it was fun and the visuals were amazing. I love the the montages um, where Sam Worthington's character is doing like a, a video diary and that's kind of ultra realistic. You know, it's not cinematic in it, like a cinematic camera. And then his voiceover goes in and you watch the montage of him learning the ways of the Navi. I really like that juxtaposition. I thought it worked really well because you've got this kind of real looking camera and then obviously it takes you to this kind of CG world. And I think it might not have worked if that kind of real kind of grounding wasn't there, it all just looked too fantastical and away with the fairies. But I think that kind of anchored it. And uh, so there were parts of it I really enjoyed. I just thought it dragged a bit. Um, we can go into it a bit later, but I struggled with some of the motivations of the characters as well. Like Craig said, I didn't think they were rounded enough, particularly mm. the guy who was heading the, the mining operation. He's um, just evil. <laughs> he's not, is he? That's the thing. Yeah, he's just a corporation stooge. And 
just wants to make money. He's a great example for me of why I didn't find this movie fun because he has, as many of the characters in this do, a perfect analog in Aliens. Paul Reiser's character in Aliens is the corpo sleazy guy, hmm. but he's so charismatic and he's so funny in that role. He's a proper slime ball. Whereas Giovanni Ribisi, he's not fun. He's just a prick. Yeah, and it's the same with the the Marines. I think his performance is fun. I didn't find it fun. I, I think that's the whole point of him just being an absolute ass. No, I don't. I don't think he is. They didn't give him a clear enough motivation. Even if we'd have just got a hint that he was under some kind of pressure from his higher ups. Yeah, but he, he well he was he said he said it he said a kilo of this um, odobtanium or whatever goes for twenty million dollars a kilo or something. Yeah, that's his motivation. Mm. And there's people that work in business that are purely motivated by making money, and that is the bottom line for them, and that's the only line. It didn't feel enough for me. Yeah, I mean, that that is not, for me either, enough of a, a motivator. Because we know that Pandora is a hostile environment to humans. It's a tough place to mine. So there are other ways to make money if that's his only motivation. Mm. So I agree with Ben. I think something, just a little something of pressure from someone on yeah. him would have made all difference just before he made that decision to attack the tree it seemed yeah. like he was he was, i know they showed him in the office and he's rubbing his chin but that was just it just felt a little bit like they didn't deal with it enough to so yeah. I think, oh i understand i don't agree but i understand all right that's why he's made that decision it's like it's so fucking light it just felt a bit unearned that moment yeah but the crime for me in terms of a, a fun movie experience, it's, it's just that I didn't find his performance or his character very fun. And I'd say the same of the the Marines colonel. And he's always been my biggest problem with this film. He's, he's like a plastic soldier come to life. That's what I like about it. Whereas <laughs> in Aliens, again, the Marine colonel is fun as fuck. He's still riddled with cliches. You know, he, he loves the smell of something in the morning and all that shit. But he's fun and he's funny, and this he's... guy just isn't. He's just dour and just an unbelievable yeah. grind of a prick. But he's not um, in Aliens. It's he's the squad sergeant. He is so it's a different level. Oh right, okay. That that's uh, forget I said it. it does then. make a difference. It makes a massive difference. If it's a colonel and a sergeant, and that's a difference. Forget I said it because that changes everything. Yeah, it does. If you if you if you understand no, military it... structure, yeah. No, but I think <laughs> you're talking mechanically. But yeah, I, I I thought that, and I did have a problem with that. But then I kind of thought, you know, he mentions the first his first day out on the planet, he gets that scar. Yeah. And then I thought, well, no, he's that kind of prick that he might not say it, but he would hold that against the planet and he'll do anything to get back. And I, I, so I, I thought, actually, I kind of see why he's doing it. He wants to be in control and anyone, anyone that challenges that he he'll just wipe the floor with him. That's his his attitude. So I kind of got his motivation in the end. But at first, yeah, it's I not his not, motivation. I, thought, I don't get. I just he he's not fun as a character to watch. No, he doesn't. It doesn't have to be though, does he? That's the thing. He's just kind of doesn't have to be fun. A walking cliche. Yeah, I disagree. I think he's um, he's the perfect encapsulation of everything mm. James Cameron's trying to say in the film. Which, if I go into what I thought yeah. about it. He's talking about imperialism, racism, militarization, and environmentalism. And I yeah. think if you're talking about environmentalism, unless you are part of the capitalist structure, those kinds of people are 
perceived as rightly or wrongly just one-dimensional cardboard cutout villains. Yeah. And I think that Quaritch is the embodiment of that. And I think Stephen Lang gives a good, not not a pantomime performance, but he understands what's required of that role. He's he doesn't need any kind of emotional depth or anything beyond just hatred for something that the viewer will see as beautiful being Pandora. Hmm. I really enjoyed the film. I I was surprised I, hmm. when we scheduled that we would do Avatar before the sequel comes out. I was not dreading it, but not looking forward to it, certainly. Um, I think I got about an hour into it and I looked at the clock and I was, I was shocked that a whole hour had just flown by. Um, like Adam was saying, the scale of it is absolutely incredible. When Sully first arrives on the planet and just the mining equipment coming past, I think mm. it's genuinely awe-inspiring just how massive the operation is and you've got that subtle storytelling of the arrows embedded in the wheels yeah that was just cool. little yeah there's not a big deal made of it <laughs> yeah it's just it's very economical solid storytelling yeah it's a nice bit of showing yeah i i really enjoyed it that yeah. is a nice bit of show but then so much of the rest of it is tell you've got this awkward voiceover of sully in the video diary format yeah the voiceover is not great yeah yeah there's a lot of exposition that's told not shown the beginning mm. is very exposition heavy very very well no all of it like he keeps narrating the story and he... those those kind of montages i thought were okay to be honest I thought they're they okay kind of... but they're just they're, they're not well. that fun I, I, for me, I, I just kept every time he started speaking, I thought, "Oh, here we go again." There, there's some beautiful imagery in some of those montages, though. Oh yeah, the imagery's gorgeous. There, yeah. There's a swimming scene very, very briefly. Yeah, in the bioluminescent lake. That's yeah. yeah. It ironically reminded me a little bit of the last Airbender movie, where a lot of the to, to cram the story into a short space of time, a lot of the story is just told verbally by one of the characters. I think we're going to have to end the podcast there. <laughs> yeah. After we did this thing, we went to this place and this happened and we met this person and then we went here mm. and now look yeah. where we are now. The less said about that one, the better. <laughs> the last day of yeah. the live action film. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that always annoyed me when it came out. I just felt like Avatar, this movie, could have been called anything else. And they had that whole struggle about wanting to not have it be called Avatar because of the last Airbender animated series. And, like, Avatar, we've come to know it in video games as your player character, yeah. but it doesn't really mean that. You know, it's in The Last Airbender, it's a vessel for God, which is what it means, mm-hmm. or, like, your online profile pic. What the the Navi clone body or whatever it is that Sully gets into is more of a, a vessel or a, a host than an Avatar. So, you know, they could have called it anything else. The Legend of Pandora's Pandora. Box. You could <laughs> call it Pandora. Yeah. The, the first time I heard the word Avatar was about 95. There was a, a short-lived wrestler character in the WWF at the time called Avatar. And he came down the aisle with no mask on. And then he put the mask on to become the Avatar. And became <laughs> somewhat different. It was very silly. <laughs> I was going to say, how the hell do you remember the first time you heard the word Avatar? But that's... Yeah, I pretty memorable. That. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> James Cameron loves his uh, mech suits, doesn't he? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And they look, they look good. That look good. They are awesome. Well, I think they looked very digital and very kind of clean. Whereas the load lifter in Aliens is it's obviously practical, but it's also very grubby. Yeah. 
like a lot of the aliens will. That's true. The one thing I did see in Avatar that I thought, oh, this I believe that people live in this world, is when Sigourney Weaver is using the microwave and the microwave screen's covered in shit. As all <laughs> microwave screens are. Yeah, yeah. But everything else about it felt very artificial to me. And although Pandora is very beautiful, I felt it and the Navi still felt quite cartoonish to yeah, me. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Mm. I, th- I think... I- I was just going to say that because the colours were so stark in contrast, and there was a lot of um, luminescent work mm. and things like that. It had that kind of appeal to it, didn't it? It had that kind of cartoony kind of effect, but it kind of—I guess it—that maybe that was intentional because they wanted to sort of separate the worlds in it from from Earth and the the, the dull grey interiors of the, all the the mining complex and the, the the headquarters and stuff. And then outside, it was just this completely different alien planet and um that and, and the creature designs were amazing as well they yeah. just weren't half-arsed yeah because you had the lemur but it had more arms that was uh quite interesting it, that, and you had a it, rhino but instead of a horn it had a, a flat hammerhead yeah that no spared no expense but it, it looks like everything has an internal logic yeah but yeah. they were just earth animals with a twist is mostly what we got well yeah and even like yeah. the flying stuff were like pterosaurs how far do you want it to go is the thing you could have something quite uh, surreal and kind of definitely not of this earth but it might be quite off-putting or distracting if it if it's mm. a million miles away from from what we expect yeah, or, or I, even horrific a lot of the animals had like three or four sets of eyes didn't they and stuff mm. like that and then they had the gills so that was weird like, to me didn't make tons of sense did it no that was weird to me i just thought compared to like something like star wars where they sort of recycle uh, a lot of the alien stuff it was just all i thought it was much more well planned out although they did recycle the t-rex and the raptor noises from yeah. Jurassic park hmm. they huh. did and that was it i was like that's that can't be a coincidence and sure enough i looked it up and ben burt was it yeah <laughs> our old pal ben burt <laughs> yeah they genuinely used oh. it yeah. i don't know whether that was like jim cameron and spielberg having a brew together and then Sort of saying, "Oh, do you mind if I use those noises?" Yeah, go ahead. Dude. Quite a lot of the, <laughs> the the music stylings are sort of recycled from Aliens as well. If you if you listen to it, there's a lot of the like yeah. clanging metal noises and, and big brass yeah. horns. Yeah. Towards the end as well, it was um, it's James Horner, isn't it? The the um, composer. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the amount of work he put into it as well. I was reading about him. Uh, I read an interview with him, and he said that for a year and a half, he was getting up at four a.m. and going to bed at ten working on the music because the score was so huge and, and oh, yeah. demanded so much of him that he was just you know, working himself into the ground. Just get Hans Zimmer next time. He'll knock it out in an afternoon <laughs> and it'll be way better than James Horner's <laughs> score. <laughs> yeah, they obviously they, they went to the effort of creating a language for this as well and that's really impressive. Yeah. But it yeah, suffers yeah. from a thing that I think Star Wars and Star Trek suffer from as well, which is mm. like you go to the planet Tatooine and it's just like 40 people living in two towns, Mos Eisley and Mos Esper, and then a whole planet of what, fuck all else, just desert. No, no, there's different tribes, eight or nine different tribes. You see the water tribe and the yeah. horse tribe, they they call them in for the midpoint battle, don't they? And you will see more of them in the sequel by the looks of it. I imagine so. Oh, did you see the extended trailer? Yeah, mm. it looks fucking brilliant with the, the yeah, mechanical yeah. frog machines underwater chasing yeah, people. Yeah. I'll tell you this. It hasn't put me off wanting to see the sequel. I'm no. hooked and fascinated by the whole idea behind all of it. 
and I want to see more of it, and I want to see where it mm-hmm. expands. Like, I still yeah. don't think that I, I will change my mind about the things I don't like about the first one, mm. but I appreciate the craft, and I want to see what James Cameron mm. does next. That's it. I think we all appreciate the craft. As an act of yeah. world building, it's tremendous. Yeah. 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 I'm not going to say it's unparalleled, because there's been a lot of movies with a lot of time put into them over the years and stuff, and a lot of care. But this is so the start. It's one of those things you have to go to the cinema to experience because you, you don't fully get it. Did we all watch the extended cut, by the way? That mm. stuff with uh, Sam Withington on Earth at the start. Yeah. No. Yeah, where he's in the bar and the grubby bar and all that. Yeah, yeah that was. That. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was cool. It was really different to the rest of the movie. It reminded me a lot of that uh, Cyberpunk 2077 video yeah, game. Yeah. Or even Blade Runner. It's quite Blade I th- Runner. I was thinking that. I was thinking it yeah. just reminded me of Blade Runner ish. Well, yeah. 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 I guess that's what Cyberpunk's going for. But it, yeah, yeah. It was more like the game than the Blade Runner movie to me. It wasn't like mm. night. It wasn't raining. It wasn't a lot of neon. Mm. But there was a lot of. Hmm. like yellow structures and like interesting looking cars and stuff yeah so that's that's hmm. where it gave me more of a cyberpunk 2077 vibe than a blade runner one but it was cool to see what earth is like and a bit more of the reason why his character was there you were talking about missing out on motivation by the way i don't know if they cover this in the theatrical cut but it was meant to be his brother who was on yeah, Pandora. That's covered. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So you just get to see a bit of that in the in the extended cut, and uh, that that helps explain why Sigourney Weaver's character is uh, not fond of him at all because she's she's worked with his brother uh, Tommy, I think his brother's called, uh, the whole yeah. time. So she's she's the best thing in it. She's like, great. Performance wise, I think she she's brilliant. Yeah, I think that's true of everything she's in. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful too, even to this day. Sigourney Weaver. My my my. Oh yeah. What lady. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah. Yeah. She's playing uh Jake and Natiri's teenage daughter in the sequel. Yeah. If you weren't aware. Amazing. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why? Well they put her into the tree at the end, don't they? Her consciousness. They yeah. load her into yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, right. I thought maybe yeah. she came back that they way. Say she's with Awa now, isn't she? Yeah. That's what I'm assuming anyway, I don't don't know that. Mm. Here's a question for you. Why did Michelle Rodriguez's character paint the helicopter? Oh, because <laughs> it's to differentiate from the rest for of the For the viewers to know which is which. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to give the baddies something to aim at. <laughs> if they all, yeah, but if she could have been attacked by the um the Navi as well though, couldn't she? Potentially yeah, if she was yeah. flying around. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Turns military brain once again. I, w- I thought you were going to say about her a choice of top on a number of occasions. Yeah, we all know what you were thinking. Because it was like... The, the white vest. The white vest. Then it had a bit of a cut down it, and I was like... Spilling okay. out. That's, um, <laughs> that's Michelle Rodriguez's traditional film yeah. attire, I think, isn't it? Is there a film where she doesn't yeah. wear a white vest? I don't think so. I don't know. I've never seen a knot in a vest. If there is, I don't want to know about it. <laughs> she, she wears aviators in every film as well, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's in her contract. Give me the aviators and fucking putting them on right now. Uh, one more question for you, if you don't mind. Mm. Yeah. How on earth, or how on Pandora, did they develop the gas that they gassed the Navi with when the Navi can breathe the poisonous atmosphere? It's just a different poison, I suppose, is it? Yeah, they just make another gas, don't they? He calls it something 26A or something. Uh, I can't remember yeah. what he says. So that was just a weird one, I thought. Pandora pepper spray, that's what it was. Does it tell you how long they've been on Pandora, the humans? To know like how long they've been. Uh, not that I remember. Yeah, no. it must be a while because 
Grace was with the characters when they were children in the school. Yeah, Nateri and her sister. That's kind of why I thought when Parker just eventually sort of like just goes, ah, you know, do it, go and attack them. He's like, he's been there a long time and he's just sick of all the, you know, he says, have we done the schools and medication, blah, 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 blah. And he's just like, he's just past caring. and That makes it ring even less true for me though, because he's brought in Sully. Sully's getting Mm. somewhere Mm. and then he just thinks, do you know what, fuck it. I've been here 20 years. I've, I'm not going to wait and see what happens with Sully. Just it kind, just, of, it kind of falls apart, though, doesn't it? It kind of falls apart because he gets kicked out, and then he says, "Oh, I can go back in and sort it out." But and he doesn't, does he? He doesn't hit the time mark that he that he defines, and then that's it. He just gives him three months, doesn't he? Three months, and he gives him an extra hour, and then that's it. Because after three months, it goes tits up, doesn't it? And they find the video footage of him saying mm-hmm. that the Navi will never leave the tree. Right, I think that's the final straw, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I can't remember where that comes in. Was this mm. before or after that? It but, comes yeah. in around that, yeah. Because um, the colonel, the colonel's trying to get his his way, isn't he? And um, he says, "Oh, we, we, you know, you've given us all the evidence we need to say they're never going to leave." Blah blah blah. Because they find they get the video of him smashing the the camera on top of the digger, and then they they play that video on top as well, just to sort yeah, of yeah. But that's obviously the, after they well, the, the diggers. He, get, he gets one last chance, doesn't he? He gets he, they show him that thing, and they go, "All right, you've got one hour." And that's it. And he shuts him in the thing, and then it doesn't doesn't work out, does it? Well, he tells him he's got one hour before yeah. he goes off yeah. and does they the got three sex months, scene. And then they, he says, "Look, I've got. I'll be able to convince him." Blah blah blah. And then he goes right, and, and literally Parker's telling him, "You've got one hour." Blah blah blah. And then he shuts the thing, and he goes goes back into his body, doesn't he? It's right after the sex scene, isn't it? And then he's unconscious. He's trying to wake him up when the diggers are coming. So he knew he had an hour, and he still decided to go and get his knob wet. Instead of doing what he was meant to be doing, <laughs> if that is indeed what Navi do, no, they don't. They, they they suck each other's jagons. Is it a knob though? Well, they must have genitals as well because they don't give birth out of their ponytail. No, you don't know that. You don't. No, we know don't that. know. <laughs> have to wait for the way of water. Well, we do because they've got navels, they've got belly buttons, and they've got nipples, so they are mammals. I didn't see any nips. Oh yeah, I did. <laughs> I was looking. Yeah. But listen to this. One of my favourite lines is based on that. When uh, Samuel's character first gets it into the the uh, Navi body, and he's playing with that that connector thing. Yeah, and it's the Goody Weaver says, "Don't play with it; you'll go blind." Yeah. <laughs> that was genius showing. Yeah, that was great. That was genius. <laughs> What's everybody's favourite moment? Did we do favourite moments? I can't remember. No. You do whatever you want. You're the host. Hmm. What's everybody's favourite moments? Lay it on me. The whole, the fauna, the planet, or the moon, I guess, fighting back sequence is just brilliant. There's a bit where uh, one of the horse creatures comes out when it's on fire. It's a like, really striking visual of this horse running. And then um, the the rhino creatures, the hammerhead rhinos, when they charge through the forest. Yeah. And uh, I was just like, shit, yeah, here we go. That, that was, <laughs> I loved all that bit. I thought it was great. Adam, any favourite moments, favourite scenes? Uh, too many. All all the various battle scenes, really. Like Craig said, then it is amazing when the forest comes alive, and they, they, that is awesome. Yeah, my favourite sequence is when they let airlift that that thing back up to get out of the way of, of the colonel and the and the army type guys, and then mm. they go in, and he's like, "Oh, what what am I going to do?" And he goes, "Right, I know what I'm going to do," and it's uh, uh, Taruk Maktau, isn't it? Yeah, and he flies yeah. above it. It's literally an all-or-nothing gamble. I'm still getting goosebumps again thinking about it now. I'm just thinking what an awesome little thing to chuck in there because it, it's like, I guess, yeah, it's it's kind of set up. Um, mm. 
but it's brilliant. I loved, I love that so much. He's yeah. great, Turok Maktar, isn't he? And his translated mm. name being the Last Shadow because it's the last shadow you see. Yeah, yeah, that's, cool. <laughs> that's yeah. so cool. Fantastic, <laughs> loved it. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Ben? Um, I didn't know this was coming up, so I can't really remember any. You just go for a line if you want, okay. or if you had your favourite line, was that the Sigourney Weaver line? That was my favourite line that I said before. I also like the line, all energy is only borrowed and one day you have to give it back. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. yeah, I, re- I really like that. I like the sequence where he's learning to slow himself down when he's falling on the big leaves. <laughs> uh, she goes first and she's like, she's, she's just really smooth. He's just like, he just falls to the ground. <laughs> that's, really, that's quite a, a good little moment. Yeah. Uh, I've got one very particular moment right at the end which is Quaritch getting into the mech and running out of the ship as it explodes and just power <laughs> landing on the ground his arm's on fire and he's just yeah. patting it out yeah, yeah. Brilliant. like that is yeah. so ridiculous and brilliant I love it <laughs> yeah <laughs> I made a couple of notes about um, and I, I never normally do this I think if, if a film uh, has me and I, I'm buying into it. I don't care about like stupid sciencey stuff or anything that doesn't make sense. But when I'm not enjoying it, I start seeing stuff like that. So first off, why is everything bioluminescent when it's not in the dark? It's not in caves. That's what we're used to on Earth. There's no sense for the stuff on the surface of Pandora to be bioluminescent. A wizard did it. Might be the composition yeah. of the atmosphere. Maybe calls yeah, James Wizardy Cameron. How does how does Sully know? That that sticky sap shit is flammable that he puts yeah, on his torch. Yeah, yeah, that is a bit, a bit of a leap of logic. <laughs> and when the colonel's jumping out of that, the the bit that you were talking about, your favourite bit. Mm. At the same time, Sully is falling to earth like with no parachute, and he's just sort of fine. And he lands, slows himself down, etc. That seems to hard, beg a belief. They've got hardened skeletons, haven't they? They they say at the start when they're briefing. If, yeah. if you're if you if you're nitpicking all these little bits now, Craig, you're going to absolutely hate my plan. Well, that was a given. <laughs> <laughs> More than usual. <laughs> when the colonel dies, his mech suit falls over. That's silly as fuck. But <laughs> my yeah, that's daft. I thought that was my a... biggest daft thing in this that makes absolutely no sense is when the uh, Avatar Navi are still with the Marines before they go and join the tribe. They're wearing like human clothes and their little boxer shorts have a tail hole. How the fuck are they putting them on? Were they like putting them on tail first? Get someone to help them. You pu- pull, pull them up halfway up your legs, tuck your tail through the hole halfway up, then pull them up the rest of the way. <laughs> Wait, you, know, you, you never put on shorts with their tail before. Don't you put on your underpants by putting your, your wiener out the, the little pocket hole? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but mine's not, mine's not as long as a tail. <laughs> My two worst cliches are. Uh, one at one point, one of them says, "We bounce at zero nine. and I was like, "Do people still talk like that?" Yeah, it, 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 it's yeah. all circles in it. Fashion cycles. Apparently now yeah. the same bounce mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. That particular. But the worst there. one is when Michelle Rodriguez takes them into the the floating island space, and they're all going, "Ooh ah!" And she's like, <laughs> "You should see your faces. Like it's so fucking casual to her." to see this fucking wondrous planet with floating islands. Uh, you rookies. I was like, fuck off. 
Well, I think she's enjoying their reaction. Is is the thing? It's it's like the Jurassic Park moment where the you know where um, Alan Grant's just looking and he's taking off his glasses and it. Yeah. Yeah, but she's acting like it's nothing. Yeah, that's what she, she's seen it loads, though, isn't she? She's seen it loads, but yeah, it's just, it just amuses her to remember to, to probably think that that's what she looked like in the. In but the it's first just instance. such a cliche. Yeah, like she could have at least gone. Yeah, I know. Never get tired of seeing this. That's still a cliche, but it's more believable than you. You think this is impressive? It's not your preferred cliche, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Craig is very particular about his cliches. Yeah. Yeah. This cliche doesn't match my cliche preference, so Quite I despise right. it. It does not pass mustard. <laughs> doesn't pass. Doesn't pat mustard. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got about four minutes there. You can just cut straight away. <laughs> <laughs> Should we do favourite lines? Go on in. <laughs> He's got some favourite lines. Mine is. Uh, I've got a. Oh, scissor me, Natiri. Oh, scissor me, Jake Sully. Does that happen? I think you dreamt that, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just imagined it when they were connecting their uh, bits, and I just thought, oh, they're like scissoring, essentially. <laughs> so, so I just made that one up for fun. <laughs> That's my favourite line in it, too. Um, well, I've got a couple of lines uh, which I would like to put on the board. Jake says to the Navi about Parker, when people are sitting on shit that you want, you make them your enemy to justify taking it. That's a good line. Yeah. Yes. And another one from Jake in voiceover as he gets unplugged with the tree burning behind him once it's been shelled. He says, I was a warrior who dreamed he could bring peace. Sooner or later, we have to wake up. It's quite poetic, almost the reverse of the the Chinese philosopher who dreamt he was a butterfly and and didn't know whether he was awake or still dreaming. A butterfly who was dreaming he was a man. Yeah. (laughs) That's what. Fucking idiot. Indeed. Everybody knows butterflies don't have dreams. Yeah, I've got a stupidest line. It's the most <laughs> egregious piece of exposition in the whole film. Go on. It's Go it's on. their equivalent of somehow Palpatine returned. It is when during one of his voiceovers, Sully says, "I got them to let Grace in, like to the tribe. How can Grace come in? Yeah, okay. Well, we had Banda, but since you've asked so nicely, yes." <laughs> I would have liked to have seen some show in that moment. Oh, the, the film would have been three hours then. Fucking hell. <laughs> Could have cut loads of other stuff. And also, um, my, my last note that I've written, <laughs> when we got to the credits, I've written, what the fuck is this song? Leona Lewis, remember her? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I do vaguely remember Leona it's, Lewis, yeah. She was massive for a while, wasn't she? And I, I'm not sure whether it was yeah. that that tanked her career or what. It was trying to be a new Celine Dion Titanic song, wasn't it? And it it's yeah. Just... You know the thing about Titanic is it's it's a romantic movie, isn't it? That a lot of people bought into the love story. Don't think that probably happened too much with the love story at the heart of Avatar. I'd be surprised. No, I think I think that's mainly Sam Worthington. I don't think he's a bad actor, but he, he's he's not top notch for me. Zoe Saldana, however, I think is fantastic. As Notary. She's amazing, yeah. but I you just... don't think Sam Worthington is a Top Gun actor. Top Gun actor. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think he's good. I don't, I don't think he's great. He was all right. I don't think it's necessarily his fault. I think it's just hard for an audience to look at those mm. animated characters and care about their romance. Mm. I, I I thought it was like you could tell it was like a gentle love blossoming over a good. They had a long time to for it to to reach a climax. Of, 
Yeah, mm. I just, I mean, I, I don't think the audience who cared about Jack and Rose in Titanic is not the audience of Avatar by and large. Uh, that's that's yeah. what well, I mean. Yeah, no, fair yeah. enough. Twenty-five yeah. percent of its audience in this case. A uh, little little line from me that I haven't shared yet. Jake asks, "How how does he do it? How does he go into the body?" And Sigourney Weaver's character says, "Just let your mind go blank. Shouldn't be hard for you." Yeah, <laughs> and it, it it rang really true. The delivery was fabulous. She's so snipey at the start, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah very good. Are we ready to talk about the villain's plan and what we thought of it? Yeah. yeah. What did we all think of America's plan? What is it? To obtain the unobtainium. That's not a plan. That's a goal. What's their plan? To mine for an obtainium. Yeah. <laughs> That's just rewording the goal. <laughs> <laughs> so their plan yeah. is to set up a mining facility next to a busy populated village on this moon because they're sitting on on some of this ore. It's the largest deposit, isn't it? They say. Yeah, in the, on the on the planet. Not on the planet. Not the largest deposit on the planet, and I'll get into that when we talk about our plans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um I don't think it's a good plan. There you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we talk about their plans, because Gaz can't be bothered summarising it, it's their initial plan. <laughs> Is to oh Sigourney, he's not the only one who's sniping. <laughs> it's to send in to send in the avatars to kind of learn the ways of the tribe and convince them to leave. That doesn't work, and so they ratchet it up. Yeah, they uh, they've mm-hmm. tried the carrot, and now they're going to use the big old stick. Parker says. I think they literally say that, isn't yeah, it? They yeah, say Parker them. says it. And they tried they've tried trading with them before. They say, but they don't have mm. anything to yeah. offer that they would want because so. they just live off the earth and off the Pandora. Yeah, if they're trying to. Yeah. Trying to convince them to relocate, I think probably it would have made more sense for them to relocate instead of the tribe because it's big moon. Just go on the exact opposite side of the moon and dig all the way through back to the village. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I should have done that as my plan. <laughs> God plan. damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. fiddlesticks. <laughs> I'll tell you what as well, would have got my vote. <laughs> yeah, mine too. Um, so for the for the plan of trying to ingratiate themselves with the with the tribe and negotiate the terms of their relocation, I think that was a great plan. But then they just went and just blew them up. So why did they just do that in the first place? I don't know. I'm going to give them four florets of broccoli because they're a bit flip floppy. They weren't really clear on their plan, and yeah, they just cut the losses in the end. But I think they could have done more. It definitely feels like a, a knee-jerk reaction, doesn't it? And they're just using a sledgehammer to crack a nut, aren't they, essentially? So yeah. surely a bit more thought, they could have come up with something a bit less uh, drastic. Yeah, you're right. Better than yeah. the plan in Aliens. That's a fucking stupid plan. Maybe, maybe we'll cover it one day. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I'd go, I'd go along with what everybody's already said. It's, it's not the best plan. It's almost sort of winging it, isn't it? Hope, hoping for the best on a wing and a prayer. Yeah, and then they it's almost like a, a a panic move, just shelling the shit out of everything. Uh, it's yeah, better than so. the plan in Titanic. Maybe we'll cover that one day. Who's the baddie in Titanic? <laughs> the iceberg? 
Billy Zane. Rose. <laughs> Rose. No, it's Billy Zane, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is the part of the show where the panel of peril compete for the title of this week's Most Diabolical, and with that comes the reward of two shiny points on our Season 2 leaderboard. Although I as host will only gain one point should I win, as I have the home advantage. In Avatar, the evil baddie corporation wants to mine Pandora for the precious, unobtainium, mineral-slash-metal for their own gain, and will destroy anything in their way to get it. Trees, giant blue aliens, weird dragonbird things, the lot. Now, let's do this! <laughs> let's have... <laughs> let's have Craig first, please. Okay. I've met men like Parker Selfridge before. Corpos. Pencil pushes. As a Marine in a James Cameron movie, the first thing you learn is to listen to Sigourney Weaver's character instead of these guys. Parker tells me the Navi village is sitting on the biggest pile of unobtainium for 200 clicks in any direction. I take a long sip of my army issue milkshake through the straw, never breaking eye contact with him. It takes an uncomfortably long time to finish, but I stop only when I hear the slurp of the empty cup. And then I shrug. Should take us about 20 minutes by chopper, I tell him. He looks confused. I sit him down and show him how maps work. He doesn't understand how far a click is. He just heard 200 and thought it sounded like a lot. I tell him we can leave the Navi in peace and go mine 20 minutes away. It's a great plan. But he understands his role. And so he declines on the basis that my plan isn't likely to get any Marines killed. Come back to me when you have something more diabolical, he says. I look at my cup. I say, here. If you have a milkshake, and I have a milkshake, and my straw reaches across the room... He shakes his head. Unobtainium isn't a liquid, he reminds me. Oh, yeah, I say. Well, how about this? We've been looking at the Navi's tree worship as something to mock, but what if we exploit it instead? On Earth, unobtainium is used to power a high-speed maglev rail network. The railway is the backbone of civilization and structurally modular. This means we can build it off-site and then quickly assemble it in situ. With the fleet of whirlybirds at our disposal, the track is built before the Navi even know what's going on. Grace tells them it's a conveyance that will quickly take them to their sacred tree of souls, giving the Navi a means of bonding with their ancestors more often. Unknown to them, every trip back shuttles several carriages of unobtainium, mined from the region. This, of course, has the effect of causing the floating Hallelujah Mountains, which are held aloft by the Unobtainium's magnetic field, to inch closer to sea level. We rejoice for the Navi. Surely this is the will of Ewa, who wants the Navi to be closer to the Banshees. As we gather more Unobtainium, we expand the rail network to go to other places the Navi might want to visit, with a McDonald's at every station. As they grow distracted, over time, the planet and its resources become ours for the taking. That's vaguely similar to my first plan that I had, which I deleted. So I'm happy I deleted that plan. <laughs> <laughs> I particularly enjoyed the impression you did of um, There Will Be Blood. Daniel, Daniel Plainview. Plainview. <laughs> it was lovely. Um, 
so they use they're going to use the unobtainium on the planet then they're not going to take it back to the earth well no they'll they'll use some to build the rail so, network and then okay. it'll help them gather more that'll be back for earth is that from under the tree or is it different you said 20 minutes away so is there something else there's another there's another stash somewhere there. initially they'll use what they've got to build the rail network and then as the navi start visiting the the tree of life mm. they'll be mining in the hallelujah mountains which obviously very rich in unobtainium which we know because mm. that's the reason mm. they float the magnetic field it's like that it two magnets opposed to each other isn't it yeah so they'll be putting that onto the maglev to ship it mm. back to base take it from there as that resource starts dwindling, they'll build the second network and start going elsewhere. But yeah, he does specifically say that it's the mm. richest deposit for twenty clicks, which yeah is twenty yeah, kilometers. It's not not far. <laughs> they could they could yeah. mine elsewhere. Yeah, cool. I I wondered if um, you know when he says about the twenty clicks, I wonder because their 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 operation they've got set up there. They've got like a big mine and stuff. So whether they're too embedded in that area already and then it costs, I don't know. It's kind of weird, isn't it, I suppose? Because it's, yeah, I mean, if it's as valuable to them as they say, yeah, setting how, up elsewhere how, would yeah. be a worthwhile investment. Yeah, yeah. That's it. I don't understand how, if it's worth so much money, surely they can just up sticks and move their operation a bit further. Inflation. Or something. Inflation. Yeah, it could be inflation, especially. That far in the future, bloody hell, Turner. You want to move a mining operation that far in the future with this economy? <laughs> <laughs> obviously, with my method, they're using a small amount of the unobtainium that they have to expand their mining operation. And then ah. as they find more unobtainium, it makes it more feasible for them to spread out to other uh, places. I've got a, got a very important question. What are the, um, the Big Macs going to be made out of on Pandora? What kind Good of meat? Point. They're going to be made out of the big purple thing that he eats, and he goes, hmm, ooh, he made out of that. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I somebody I don't believe you, so in that case, so it might be a plan. No. What do you mean, don't believe me? <laughs> I'm just yanking your chain. <laughs> <laughs> no further questions from me, um, anyway. What What are the Navi doing when this maglev train has been built? They just Well, that's why I say it. you build it off-site, and then in within a few hours, you chopper it in, and it's because it's a rail, it's modular, so they yeah, can build sections of it. You don't think they're gonna? They're just gonna put up with it because it's there now. Well, they'll they'll love it once it's there. Oh, if okay. it, if you were building it, they'd probably sabotage it. But if you build it all in like an hour because you've already built it off site, then you just assemble it in situ with all the helicopters they've got. Got a lot. You know what? I know. You know what they say there. as well. Build it, and they shall come. And they shall come. And when you when you mm. see that it's a quick means of conveyance from where they live to their sacred tree and that it's only made out of resources that are natural to Pandora. And you go, this is our gift to you. We we have this at home. We want to show you how you can get from here quickly to your sacred place. And they'll be like, oh, right, that's actually rad. Maybe uh, we've got the wrong idea about you dudes. And uh, thanks, you know, cheers for the, the maglev. Well, I'm going to go to the tree. All right. The image I've got in my head now is uh, Navi using public transport instead of walking or riding everywhere and having McDonald's at every station. I'm just imagining loads of really fat Navi. (laughs) 
it's quite a comical yeah. <laughs> that only makes it that makes the whole plan better they get fat and lazy and they, they just that's why I put McDonald's at every station added benefit get them used to the good life <laughs> okay shall we have Adam's plan next please humanity needs the unobtainium beneath the home tree but it is a sacred tree and it would be like knocking down Windsor Castle to make way for a Premier in franchise. Sensible and more efficient, yes, but you'd have the natives in an uproar. How do you get anyone to move from where they live? How do you get tree huggers more concerned about their surroundings and environment than they already are? A corporation has tried making giant blue avatars to win hearts and minds, build schools and offer medicine, but those blinking soldier types are always getting too trigger happy and ruining it. Change of tact is needed. Parker decides to introduce a new species to the planet. A species native to Earth. A species that lives in mushroom-shaped houses and, conveniently, shares the same skin colour as the Navi. Yes, it's time for the Smurfs to enter the fray. (laughs) Setting up a colony of genetically modified Smurfs is fairly easy. (laughs) Once you have engineered them to breathe the atmosphere on Pandora... Simply tell the Navi you had discovered their ancient ancestors living in hiding for fear of being squashed by their giant cousins for millennia. The Navi will then uh, welcome them in with caution and careful steps, wondering why they haven't ever been connected with Awa ever. Grandpa Smurf will tell their leader, Etuken, that they lost the ability to communicate with Awa when their ancestors fell out of a tree and their jargons fell off. Smurfette is busy seducing the male's members of the tribe. Oof. Well, they are all smiling, imagining her little blue hands. You, you know, you catch my drift. Secretly, while these negotiations and introductions are being made, gardening Smurf and poisoning Smurf are pumping loads of industrial strength weed killer into home tree. The tree of souls and any other important voodoo bullshit plants through the roots that carry the biological organic memory juice to kill the network and move the pesky Navi on. As the giant tree begins to wilt and die, the depressed Navi realise there is no hope left for their home. However, Parker gives them a genetically engineered giant conker so they can plant it elsewhere. As we all know, (laughs) chestnut trees grow to be massive. This leaves the corporation free to begin the mining process and after a decade or so, the Navi are avid conquer players and become <laughs> champions of the galaxy. And they all live happily ever after. Or do they? <laughs> right. My first question, who the fuck is Grandpa Smurf? Do you mean Papa yeah, Smurf? Grandpa Smurf. Uh, Grandpa, well, but he's really old now, so he's, yeah, he's had like, generations, uh... mate, generations. <laughs> and then the second question I've put down here is, are the Smurfs actually necessary to this plan? No, they're not. I was just going to concoct a plan to poison the tree. Poison rat burgers. But then I thought, it's not even any fun, so I thought I'd add in the Smurfs just for shits and gigs. <laughs> <laughs> poison rat burgers. Nice callback. You mentioned the Smurfs being native to Earth. Yes. <laughs> no, no further questions. Yeah, just, just want to repeat That's that it. for everyone. Just so it's okay. fresh in the mind when you vote in. <laughs> what role does the evil wizard from the Smurfs play in this uh, Gargamel? Does he have a role to play? Oh, good callback. Yeah, he's uh, he's the one that makes the uh, the weed killer. Essentially. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Ah. Out of poison mushrooms. 
That makes sense. That makes a whole lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, it's all woven together. <laughs> it's stitched up with a neat little bow. It's, it's like a yeah. that. Well, that is a watertight plan. <laughs> I literally wrote the whole thing out for just without the Smurfs. Then I was just like, this is really dull. This needs something. <laughs> this needs something. So blue. Bit of belief, bit dead. <laughs> Any further questions, anybody? No. No. Okay. If we go for Ben, uh, if we go for Lord Manly Supreme's plan next, Ooh, please. Good save. Oh. I was nearly getting another compliment <laughs> from you there. Chinese general Sun Tzu famously said, "Victorious warriors win first, then go to war. While defeated warriors go to war first, then seek to win. Therefore, to be successful in ousting the navy and claiming the ore." I need to prepare my soldiers so they have unshakable belief that they have already defeated the Blue Menace. A self-fulfilling prophecy, if you will. But how do I achieve that, I hear you cry. Well, if you stop your entitled whining for two minutes, I'll tell you. (laughs) Evidence show that well-trained, highly motivated athletes reach performance plateaus a level of consistently exceptional performance you might expect from a peak era Lionel Messi, Michael Jordan, or cocoon era Brian Dennehy. <laughs> so we're talking creme de la creme. So I need to take care of my soldiers physically and mentally before we go to war. During training, in addition to the classic obstacle course, which all soldiers must do, obviously, my soldiers will fight in combat simulations with Navi. I tell the soldiers that they're fighting ferocious captured Navi in armed combat. I would demonstrate. A lanky blue weirdo would step into the purpose-made arena and we'd go at it. Of course, this particular Navi would be an avatar controlled by one of my goons. Shh, don't tell the soldiers. (laughs) After a few minutes of me putting on a show with a knife, I'd pull out a trank gun and put the Navi to sleep. See, it's as simple as that, I'd say. Out there, we'll be using mech suits and bullets. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Over the next few days, the soldiers would each have a chance to go one-on-one with a wild Navi. And everyone, surprise, surprise, would be successful. Look, we're all unstoppable. There's no way we could lose, I would say. With all the boys feeling physically and mentally pumped and ready, on the morning of the battle, I'd gather them all to reveal the piece de resistance. Guess what, everyone? I've been in touch with the boffins back on Earth. They've agreed that we're such a shoo-in for this war to rename the substance we're after Obtanium. (coughs) A deafening roar would ring out. A wave of joyous relief would wash over the soldiers. The final psychological barrier has been removed. (laughs) We're no longer going after something that's unobtainable. Quite the opposite, in fact. Just listen to the name. (laughs) We'd go out full of confidence, destroy the life tree with our superior tech, set up a base around it, and wait for the Navi to come to us. If they dare. Okay. I've just written down in pretty big letters, (laughs) Gaz. That's what I've written down. (laughs) As my vote. (laughs) How dare you? I'm kidding. My question is, how does this training against a ferocious Navi avatar prepare your soldiers 
for the unexpected fight they have with the rest of the Pandora fauna, like the uh, giant flying beasts and rhinos and such. I don't really care if they die or not, to be honest with you. All I want to do <laughs> is get them out there pumped up, take out the tree, and then whoever's left will help me defend around the tree. I won't be going off into any zones where my instruments aren't working. It'd be pretty mm. easy to take down the tree. They do that with yeah. minimal casualties. Yeah. But psychologically, they've already thought they've won, so it's going to be easy. Yeah, but when they see the big dumper trucks coming back from the forest with uh, like pole-sized arrows stuck in the wheels, do you think they'll get a bit rattled by seeing that? No, because they, they just tranked one and go, oh, look, it's gone to sleep, did easy. And that was a wild one. Yeah. That was easy. Mm. Yeah, but this doesn't actually affect the plan that happens in the movie at all then. So the Navi would still win. From the movie, the the major difference is, apart from, you know, psyching them up and making them understand that they're going after something called Obtanium, mm. so they know they can get it. Yeah. The major difference is not going into the freaking mountains where you can't use your instruments, you're flying blind. Once you take out the tree, defend the spot. Do you think you could work Egg Shen into your plot there? How? What? Because he gives, he gives Jack Burton a really nice confidence-boosting drug, doesn't he? Oh, a bit of some LSD. Yeah, he does. So, yeah, so you should have... I think that's what you needed there. Not just some sort of psychological boost. You naturally need some sort of substance of some kind to give them overwhelming superiority. And I think the psychological stuff will last only so long. That's what the name change would do. The name change is essentially the, the serum. The drug. Yeah. <laughs> They love a good name change, and especially when it goes from something that's unobtainable to obtainable. Yeah, it's as good as a as half an LSD trip to them. Yeah. That kind of stuff, powerful stuff. Just to prove my point, Gaz, Gaz. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Let's yeah. just say you're being held at, at gunpoint, right? Mm. Someone says you've got a choice. You've got to get one of these two things from me. Which one are you going to go for? Obtainium or <laughs> unobtainium, Gaz? <laughs> it's going to be the obtainium. See, yeah. maybe they think it's just a clever name to con them. <laughs> so, but we know that the Navi don't do what you're proposing they would do. They do seek harbour in the Tree of Life, and that's why the Marines have to take the fight to them. So why are the Navi getting out of there and exposing themselves? No, isn't the, the Unobtainium underneath their home tree? Yeah, it's underneath the tree, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. then the Navi sod off to the Tree of Life, yeah. where the floating... Island yeah, but that's fine. Once they're gone, that's fine. I've got the tr- I've got the home tree where the un- an obtainium is, or sorry, the obtainium, and I just defend <laughs> that spot. I don't go flying off into the islands. That's mental. I build a perimeter and I defend it, and I get that obtainium. You said there'd be minimal casualties. How does that work? You've trained people who are mind over matter killers of Navi, <laughs> but then they're not killing Navi. When they come back to, to reclaim their home tree. Uh, if, if the Navi come back to reclaim the home tree, then they're getting, they're getting executed by my confident soldiers. <laughs> Even if their instruments are working, I don't see them winning a battle against Fauna that they weren't expecting to be part of the fight, like the Banshees and the, the big Turok, whatever it's called, and the, and the Hammerhead. Yeah, headphones. but I mean, once we've taken out the tree with the, with the ships anyway, and that falls... Mm. All those things are going to be flying. They're going to be running for their lives. Is that not a big hole in the plot of the movie for you now, then? Why don't they just do that in the movie? I know. It doesn't make any sense. I know. That's why I thought. This plan came to me while I was watching the movie, immediately. <laughs> like, why? Still got the winner to come, of course. Right, go on, Gaz. Give us yours. 
Hey, hey, look over there. Uh, you're not going to believe it. Oh, my God. Seriously. Seriously, you guys. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you're not going to believe what's happening over there. Look. Seriously, just look. There's something absolutely amazing going on just over there. Right there. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still happening if you just look. Look, it's over there, guys. Look, over there. There's a man. There's a man. Look what he's doing. You will not believe it. I'm being so serious right now. Oh, oh, oh my goodness. Oh, my good God in heaven. He's, uh, 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 yeah, yeah. He's taking his trousers down right now. Seriously, you need to look right now. You need to look away from your screens before you miss it. <laughs> this is amazing. Amazing. Oh, absolutely amazing. Incredible. Seriously, just look away for a second. Just look. Just look. Look. Just look. I'm looking away. I don't know what to do. I'm looking away. And so on and so forth. You can edit that bit out. <laughs> Is that your whole plan? Well, well, <laughs> we're getting to the plan. This is to say that one of the greatest tools in warfare is that of deception. You were all completely fooled <laughs> by my cunning ruse just now because I'm well versed in Sun Tzu's <laughs> The Art of War. Oh, what? <laughs> Funnily enough. Copycat. <laughs> and I'm dead good at it as a result. You might question whether the competition round of a weekly podcast counts as a war, and I've been reassured by experts... That it does. So that's good, isn't it? In the case of Avatar, the deception I would employ is to send hostile American troops to a different region of Pandora. Since it's shown, let's say, the Water Tribes land, you'd send them in all gung-ho-like, perhaps even telling the Jarhads that this is where the Unobtainian is for added verisimilitude. Let the situation play out and escalate as in the film, slowly at first attempting diplomacy, before relations break down on both sides and war is declared. The leader of the Water Tribe will follow the same path that the Omatikaya do and request the help from other tribes. Once Neytiri and the gang answer the call and gather at the site of the battle, it is safe to enact the real plan. With all of the warrior folk out of town aiding the Water Tribe, you're free to shell the shit out of any tree you want and mine for all the unobtainium your little capitalist heart desires, all by using the simple art of deception. Um, so, what about Sully? Don't you think he would twig? Well, he's not part of the plan in this. So he just doesn't come to Pandora at all? <laughs> Didn't realise that that the scope of the rules allowed for that. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Don't we usually have to start these with the status quo at the start of the film being true? <laughs> I'm hosting my rules. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what then. Next time we do a film, let's say for instance we do uh you know uh, we did Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom last week and the rules could have been Forget about Indiana Jones. Forget about Mularam. The big bang has happened. What do you want to do next? Okay. So let, <laughs> let's say Sully goes to Pandora. Um, just get Quaritch to stick that big knife in him. Don't need you, mate. <laughs> Sound. I'm having that. Well. <laughs>
any further <laughs> questions. <laughs> no. I haven't got any questions because I still don't truly understand it, if I'm honest. No. So it's two. Instead of attacking the tree so that the Omatikae call the other tribes to help them, you falsify... We actually do attack, but it's a false attack on basically nothing in the water tribe's land so that the Omatikae abandon their land to help the water tribe. And when they're gone, you can set up Didn't we establish, though, that they're all kind of linked to the land and that they would be aware that an attack was happening on their home tree while they were gone? And also, they're not going to take every warrior with them. Oh, you know, a lot of the people, like the chief and that, and the and the the old lady mother, they're going to be left at the tree. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with Craig on that one. Just um, roll over them with one of those massive um, <laughs> mining vehicles, <laughs> like who yeah. uh, framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> Just a blue squish at the other side. <laughs> yeah. Right, are we ready to vote? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So just to recap the plans, we had Craig saying that they should mine 20 clicks away by the uh, floating mountains and build a rail network which would ship the Navi to the worship tree and he would build a McDonald's at every stop too to make them fat and lazy and placid. Uh, Then we had (laughs) Adam's plan, which was to introduce Smurfs to Pandora saying that they're Navi relatives <laughs> and they would then poison the tree causing the Navi to lose the will to live, move away but they would give them a big conquer <laughs> to plant yeah. and make a new massive tree. So, so all's that's well it, that exactly. ends well. Yeah, that's it. Uh, <laughs> Everyone wins. <laughs> Ben's plan which was to have fake combat training for the troops against Navi in quotation marks. Change the name Whose of- plan was that? Benz. <gasps> uh, Lord Manly Supreme. Oh, need another compliment. <laughs> need another compliment. Lord Manly Supreme's breath is minty fresh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, change the name of an obtainium to obtainium. That's the key part of that plan. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and that to have a mind over matter attitude with the troops, and then destroy the tree, build a perimeter and then execute any Navi on site that turn up. Uh, My plan, which was to stage a fake attack uh, for another tribe to to take the warriors away from the site of the unobtainium. I have cast my vote for Lord Manly Supreme. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I have cast my vote for Lord Manly Supreme. Yes. I have cast my vote for Adam. Yes. And I have cast my vote for McDonald's. <laughs> Craig. Lord Manly Supreme takes it again. Oh, no, takes oh, his first point. No, first my time. First points on the board. Yes. Oh, my Lord. So he leapfrogs us into second spot. I was getting some uh, stick for the wife for not having any points on the board. <laughs> <laughs> that puts the points on the scoreboard so far. In the lead with three points is Craig. Shooting up to second place with two points is Lord Manly Supreme. And languishing in joint third or fourth, if you want to go that way, is myself, Gaz, and Adam with a point apiece. 
Hmm. Shameful. Shameful. Very good. Next week, we have Adam hosting the podcast. So, would you like to share with us what film you have selected? Okay. So, next week, boys, as a special treat, as a festive treat, we shall be watching Die Hard. Ooh. Ooh. Yes, indeed. And that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you for listening, and if you like what you heard, please subscribe, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, because that helps move us up the charts and makes the podcast more visible. Give us five stars on Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Subscribe on YouTube and tell your friends in person and on social media. Word of mouth is the best tool that we have, so please do tell your chums and neighbours. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DiabolicalPod. Next week, we will be discussing Die Hard, and we hope you'll be back with us. Until then, remember, I see you. It's a bit creepy on the one hand, isn't it? If, if we didn't actually mention that line in the course of the podcast, but you know, yeah. people will know what that is, <laughs> won't they? Some... <laughs> Gals are stalking you. <laughs> if I don't see your fruit week, I'll see your fruit window. <laughs> <laughs>